Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. In January 1969, I was sitting in the staff room of a secondary school in Haberoni, the capital of Botswana in southern Africa, waiting for the first staff meeting of the year to begin. I was a brand new Peace Corps volunteer. I was assigned to teach English and history at the school. I had just finished a master's degree in history at the University of Missouri and thought I'd take a break from academia and see a bit of the world, hence the Peace Corps. I had spent the previous summer with my parents in South Florida checking the mail every day to see whether the Peace Corps or the U.S. Army would get me first. (laughs) The Peace Corps won, and I went off to Botswana, a country I'd never heard of. I was chatting with the other teachers, mostly Botswana and British, when the headmaster, a not very dour Scot named Ian Russell, suddenly asked, where's Miss Brand? Nobody knew. So he got on the phone and said, the staff meeting starts in two minutes. Three or four minutes later, a lovely, panting, rosy-cheeked young woman dashed in. I can't say it was love at first sight, but I was intrigued. And as far as Miss Brand was concerned, I was just another face in the crowd. But later, I learned that Felicity Brand was also a volunteer teacher. She was teaching with uh, the, the International Voluntary Service, a European forerunner of the Peace Corps. She was from London, was in her second year of service, and importantly, was single. (laughs) A few weeks later, I got up the courage to ask her out, and we went for a drink in the bar of the President Hotel, the place, and almost the only place, to go in Haberoni. She tells me that I spent much of that first date telling her about my former girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) But After that inauspicious start, we learned that we shared an interest in the people and culture of Botswana and enjoyed visiting the traditional villages outside the capital. We started seeing each other regularly, going to school staff parties and gatherings at friends' homes, and we were becoming very fond of each other when there was a small bump in the road. Felicity's service contract ended in August of 1969, and she had to go back to England. We went on a last hitchhiking trip together up through the north of Botswana, crossing the Zambezi River at Victoria Falls, and 
on to Lusaka, Zambia, from where Felicity flew back to London. We had talked about the possibility of her coming back to Botswana, but we hadn't made any definite plans, so I had a lonely trip back to Haberoni, wondering if our love story was over. I spent a rather bleak autumn sending frequent letters to London and getting letters back almost as often. In the meantime, Felicity ditched her plan of going back to university to do a postgraduate course and instead told her mom she had met someone, was going back to Botswana to get to know him better, and no, she had no intention of getting married. <laughs> so in January 1970, Felicity was on her way back to Botswana. She flew into Johannesburg, South Africa, and got the train up to Haberoni. I met her at the station, overwhelmed with happiness. She got a teaching job at St. Joseph's College, a Catholic school a few miles south of the city, and moved back in with her former housemates in Haberoni, Jackie, Liz, and Allison. We saw each other almost every day. One evening, Felicity made some moussaka, a Greek eggplant casserole, in my next door neighbor's, Kathy and Rob's, kitchen. They had a better equipped kitchen than I did. And as she was carrying it into my house, she dropped it. <laughs> and it splattered all over the floor. She was, of course, very upset and angry with herself. But I said, it's not a problem. Got down to my knees and cleaned it up and we dined on salad and a bottle of wine. <laughs> Perhaps it was kneeling down to mop up the moussaka that gave me the inspiration, but <laughs> <laughs> during the second glass of wine, I asked Felicity to marry me. <laughs> she says that because I had been so nice about the moussaka, or maybe it was that second glass of wine, she said, yes. <laughs> the next morning, <laughs> we were a little uncertain about what we had done the night before. <laughs> and we didn't talk about getting married again for at least a week. We did, eventually did write to each other's mother introducing ourselves and telling them our plans. Felicity's mom was a bit upset that I had simply told her I was going to marry her daughter and not asking for permission. So I hastily apologized and asked for permission. I'm not sure she actually ever gave it. <laughs> Surrounded by our friends and fellow teachers, we officially revealed our engagement at a party at my house. I roasted, had roasted a goat in a barbecue pit outside, and everyone was gathered in the front yard when Headmaster Ian clapped his hands to get their attention and made the announcement for us. We got married on April 23, 1970, in the Cathedral of Christ the King in Haberoni. Felicity wore a long white dress that she had bought in a shop in London, not as a wedding dress, but just because she liked it, and it was on sale for five pounds. <laughs> I wore a white lace-up neck shirt, 
brown trousers and sandals with no socks, very hip. <laughs> Felicity's mom, Joan, her brother, Andrew, and his wife, Thea, came out for the wedding. The first time I had met them, of course, and their first visit to Africa. Felicity's mom was a bit uncertain about the suitability of this unknown and strange American for her daughter. And I was a bit intimidated by this tall, elegant, and very proper English woman. However, in the few days before the wedding, we had meals together, did some sightseeing, and got to know one another a bit. The wedding was held during the school break, so most of our fellow teachers and friends were there. My former housemate, John, was the best man and official photographer, and Felicity's brother walked her down the aisle. We had planned to have the reception in the front yard of, my, of our house and had left the food and drinks on tables outside. <laughs> well into the wedding ceremony, just before the I do's, a huge clap of thunder came and rain began pelting down. We and the guests looked at each other in dismay. However, in Botswana, home of the vast Kalahari Desert, rain is a sign of good luck. The Setswana word pula means both rain and blessings. And sure enough, Felicity's housemates had moved the tables of food and drink up onto the porch out of the rain, and Headmaster Russell opened the school hall for us. The wedding cake was baked by Felicity's housemate, Jackie, and the food was catered not by the fancy President Hotel, but by a more downscale one near the train station. The next morning, we flew southeast to Lorenzo Marx in Mozambique and spent our honeymoon on an idyllic beach on the Indian Ocean. Now, two sons, four grandchildren, and 52 years later, we're as happy as we were on that beach in Africa. Thank you. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.